And we're back. And we're back. Um, I yelled really loud, but it's the end of the year, almost. Yeah. It's December 2nd? Yeah, it's December uh, 2018, uh, year of our impending apocalypse is almost over. So uh, now we are doing what too many people do this time of year, which is start their year-end best of wrap-up lists. And especially if you're a movie fan, uh, it always feels premature because at least half of the, I'd say previously half, but now it's more like a quarter of yeah. like your surefire Oscar bet movies haven't even been released yet. So, uh, And the ones that have already been released, like they're starting to win steam, so things that were um, like sort of running ahead of the pack, yeah. kind of people are reconsidering whether or not The um, Star is Born will take all the Oscars. I hope it takes none of the Oscars. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I think we haven't seen the best movies of the year yet. Well, maybe we have, because we saw so many good movies. We did. It's, it was a great year for art. So if the real world's bumming you out, just go to the movies, I think is the answer. Yeah, and so this, I always keep a, a running uh, tally, uh, but this year just because of circumstances. So I have actually seen in the, not just in the theater, it's a combination of uh, in the theater and at home, but I've seen 151 films this year. That's a lot. That's a, and the year's not over. I still have like another 20 to watch before the end of the year. It's probably, it, yeah, this is like definitely my most watched movies uh, in a year was this year, by far, I think. Now, do you think Netflix is the, is the factor to sort of put that over the edge? Sort of the streaming services producing feature-length films? Um, I think it was The Flow, which, quite frankly, I watched <laughs> a lot of movies that I may not have otherwise watched because I couldn't do anything. Um, and so that helps. But also, yeah, the, the Netflix factor um, definitely mattered. Um, yeah, and I just I started watching um, stuff from the beginning of the year, so I was sort of on pace really from the beginning of the year. Um, but, yeah, no, I just think it's just been an unusually good year, and there was so much stuff that came up that I had to see. Um, so, yeah, it's just, who knows why these things happen. It could be uh, a, an anti-Trump thing. Let's not use that name. To, uh, to escape into art. Yeah. I want this content to age gracefully. I don't want someone, listener, if you're a new listener out here miraculously somehow, five years from now, I don't want to trigger you by um, saying certain names or words that you may be listening to in your bunker uh, after <laughs> yeah. the, you know, apocalypse slash race war is fully underway. That so, is true. Yeah. Or like... I was hoping you'd be talking about like better times. <laughs> no, no, no. About worse times. Oh, no. Yet. Oh, no. There's more to come. Okay. So like in uh, the Deathly Hallows, when they realize mm. that uh, Voldemort has actually put a jinx on his name, so if somebody says it, uh, Death Eaters and Snatchers are immediately dispatched to their location. I feel like <clears throat> names have power. I don't know what you just said, but uh, yeah. It was a lot of nerd nonsense. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll stand I, by it. I said I'll, what I said. I'll, I'll believe. So that's why his name is the, the name that's not to be spoken or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he didn't have that before, but he got that idea from basically... The fact that only his bravest enemies dared to speak his name. Right. So he's like, well, yeah, if people are bold enough to be like saying my name out loud, then they're probably against me and I need to get at them. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. J.K. Rowling, she had the ideas, didn't she? She, listen. Listen, she copied all that stuff. And some- <laughs> her world building, uh, I gotta say, 
it was all right. She did a good job. Good for her. Good yeah. for you. What's, what's your name? Joanne or something? Yeah. Or something like that? Joe. Joe, yeah. Joanne, Joanne, I think it's Joanne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but listen, people who are like trying to throw shade at her just because they may not like the direction that Fantastic Beasts is going, calling her the new, what's his name? I don't know. Ooh. Skywalker, uh, ranch guy. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, with the neck, George Lucas? Yeah, yeah. Are people, they, is that what they're calling her? People are trying to call the new George Lucas because they're saying that she's like ruining her own IP. Yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> guess what, motherfuckers? George... Lucas is a b- 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 billionaire, like beyond billionaire. It's okay. You're not insulting somebody to say, hey, go create something that's so profitable. People make rides and toys out of it, and maybe you'll tinker with it too much. And then if you get bored with it or don't want to deal with it anymore, then somebody will offer you billions of dollars to keep using your IP. So calling her the new George Lucas is just saying, like, this woman's going to be switching from. If she hasn't already graduated from rich to wealthy, it's going to happen in oh, no, her lifetime and not her children's it, lifetime. Oh, I think it already has. I think she's already yeah. um, very, very, very wealthy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. She ain't mad at that. Well, I mean, I don't, as you know, I have no investment in this particular franchise. But I get where people get all upset. Yeah. There's something that you loved. And, and I mean, I didn't I refuse to see any of the other... Um, any of the new Hobbit movies because I like the first three. The new Hobbit movies? Is that what you call the new Fantastic Beast ones? No, no. Oh, no, the no, Hobbit no, movies. The actual like, Hobbit movies. Oh, the Hobbit movies. Yeah, like okay. the, 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 was it a trilogy? This, was there a second trilogy or were there just They two? made a Hobbit, Hobbit trilogy even though it was only one book. No, no, but I mean, uh, yeah, so were there three of those movies? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so I didn't see any of them. Two more than there needed because to be. Because, you know, I liked the first trilogy well enough. Yeah. Don't ever want to revisit it. Those movies are long. And I, you know, there are still happy memories for me because I didn't see the three that came after. But you know what? We got enough to talk about that we don't need to be talking about fucking Hobbit movies. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, with the old. And with the now. So, our year and wrap up, we're going to try to cover some categories around the edges of what the others will talk about. So, you know... After the film festival, we talked about our, our best actress, which was after we saw Gloria Bell, Juliet mm-hmm. Moore. Next year, though. They're, they're, yeah. they're waiting for next year. Yeah, it's probably not going to come out. And we talked about some of the other things we enjoyed at the festival in terms of performances and things we want to see during award season. So I think we're going to, you know, color around the edges a bit more. Like yeah. elements that we enjoyed that may not be in some of the other best of lists, some that may be in the best of lists. Yeah, and I'm going to try to keep this more more to a list than a, like, it's not going to be an extensive retelling of the movies. Or a, a, a tangent-laden discussion. Well, that no, will happen. That, That'll but, happen. Yeah. But, but I feel like... I need to just list things that I like. And we're going to start with uh, the item that really kicked off uh, me realizing we need to do this was Best Pet. And there's only one nominee. It's the one obvious winner. Olivia. Uh, you may know her from Game Night or... From Widows, and she's adorable little Westie. Yep. And she, I believe in her uh, bio, she's actually described as a real-life stuffed animal. Yeah, she's so cute. She's really cute, really cute. And her relationship with uh, Viola Davis and also her relationship with, what's the name of the actor from Game Night? Oh, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, just... Uh, she takes what both of those actors do, which is a lot of sort of quiet, um, seething moments or still 
moments of menace and just dials it up because it's like you have these characters you're not quite sure what they're capable of and then you have this adorable bit of fluff <laughs> in their arms <laughs> And it's not like a movie villain. It's something else. It shows that they can love something and something that adorable loves them. And I think one of my, of the many things I loved about Widows was the fact that it actually showed what it's really like to be a pet owner, especially the owner of a small dog. You're like, can I bring my dog? You got to drop the dog off at the dog sitters. Like Olivia, you know, when she was sitting uh, on Alice's lap in the car, like this is what you do when you have a small dog. It just, it's as... You know, because it talked about women and you know, health, and childcare was an issue. Well, if you have a dog, childcare is an issue too. So yeah, uh, Olivia, I think uh, uh, she should have been a build um, star of Widows. She really was the fifth widow. Yeah, I mean, like you know, uh, as I don't know where I put her in the order. I might put her, you know, after Cynthia Revo, but ahead of oh gosh, the guy who played the preacher. That okay. seems fair. That okay. seems fair. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's before most of the men in the movie. Well, I guess she would have gotten it and, and Olivia right, yeah. if I was making the movie because yeah. it's hard to put Or her, featuring. Yeah, or introducing. But it's not actually not introducing because it's not her, her first time on camera. But yeah. No. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I would, I would I would have given her the and. Apparently, that's one of the best credits you can have. Absolutely. But yeah, Olivia, shouts to you and your your beautiful, soulful eyes. And your fur extensions. She got fur extensions and top ups uh, and uh, uh, fluff ups. Fluff ups. Fluff ups. On on set. To yeah. Keep her, to keep her looking, uh, you know, her best. She and she did. No, she did. Listen, if you're rolling with Viola Davis, who's wearing some ridiculously amazing outfits in the entire movie, it you you have to be primped and fluffed and ready to go. Okay, I think we've talked way too much about Olivia. <laughs> Have we? We're not going to get to this list if we, okay, okay. If we give each and every uh, item that same loving care. Okay, you, you throw a category out then. Uh, so I'm going to um, go with Thank You Netflix um, because Netflix this year, you know, I don't have a lot of stuff on my Netflix, but there are, um, so Annihilation, which originally was, uh, was a studio release. It actually was a studio release in North America, so we got it on Netflix uh, later than the rest of the world. Um, that, Wild Wild Country, so that Wild Wild Country is a, is a miniseries, it's not a movie. Um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which was the Coen Brothers' latest movie, which was amazing. The Haunting of Hill House, which was a fantastically scary um, horror miniseries. And then this like gem that I should have discovered, not that I discovered it, because it makes it sound like I created it, but this movie, 1922, which was, it started Molly Parker and um, Thomas Jane, and it's uh, an adaptation of a Stephen King novel or a Stephen King novella or something. Um, it was, his short stories make better movies well, than his full books. It's basically sure. about this man who's a widower and his son, they live in Kansas or something, and then he ends up marrying Molly Parker um, and just really fucked up, scary shit happens. And it's really, really good. And I, you know, I saw it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I just decided to watch it one day. And I was so, so uh, pleasantly surprised. So all this stuff is like Netflix original content in um, in Canada. I mean, there's probably a lot of other things. But these are like definitely the five best. And I would have paid, well, I could have paid to see Annihilation in, in the movie theater. So if I say I would have paid, that's a lie because I didn't. But it came out, for us here especially, Annihilation was at TIFF. Was it at TIFF the year oh. before? Before? 
Why do I feel like it was? Anyway, it came out. I know that came out at a time when there was a lot happening. Or did that come out right when Black Panther was coming out? Well, it came, It was Annihilation was released in the theaters in the early part of this year. Right. It was very brief, yeah. though. But I think when it came out was right when Black Panther was coming out. And I was like, obviously, I mean, there's no Sophie's Choice there. But yeah, for me, Netflix, uh, I really enjoyed more of their populist fare. I talked about this on Ryan's podcast. I went on his for his Widows episode. Uh, but All the Boys I've Loved Before was a real one. Like, I go back to that movie way too many times. Like, if I'm feeling a little bit down, bummed out, company's just gone bankrupt, and I'm looking at my bank balance. Uh, yeah, All the Boys I've Loved Before was great. I would have seen that nonsense in the theater because I do see teen movie shenanigans and also uh set it up which was the uh tay diggs joint yes that came out uh before it was almost that was kind of the predecessor to the asian spring summer because uh, oh. that lucy lou joint came out before you to know all the boys and yeah it's all, crazy rich yeah but yeah that movie great and lucy lou's outfits even better so uh those two movies like i feel Netflix is really ticking the boxes in a lot of quadrants. They've really tried to lock down that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, the outlet for the people who they're targeting would have been uh, Harlequin romances. And instead, you can just watch that stuff on Netflix. And there's all the cheesy holiday ones. Uh, By the way, Christmas Prince 2 is out. It's terrible. I'm sorry. I never saw the... Uh, Christmas Prince once. First one that. wasn't great, but there was something weirdly watchable about it, like in that bad, like Hallmark movie way. Um, and I'll leave that to the experts, like your Linda Holmes's from NPR that yeah. really go in on the yeah. Hallmark movies. But I'm gonna say, them if I'm like, like last Christmas, I was at a friend's place, and it was, and there was a marathon. And it was playing all day in the background. That's the only way I can, I can tolerate these things. I could not sit down and legitimately watch it. I don't think it's just not. My, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just not my cup. Yeah, Christmas Prince too. Not great, Bob. Well, that anyway, ain't it, Chief. Well, um, for anyone who was uh, wondering whether or not Christmas <laughs> Prince two was any good, answer no. Listen, you can come here for a lot of things between me and Mel. Our vid circles oh, don't overlap at all in some areas, and then are <laughs> right on top of each other for others. So yeah, Netflix. You know what? You had a great year, and really. Obviously, this is Netflix just throwing everything, the entire pot of spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks before they have to figure out how to um, fill the content hole that Disney's going to leave when they uh, migrate all their content off that streaming network. So I like what they're doing. Let's see uh, what the data tells them. So uh, the next category that I'm going to suggest is a movie with outfits you'd want to cop the most, Uh, things that, outfits that, helped with the storytelling, but you also would like to steal and or wear. And for me, there were two movies, If Beale Street Could Talk and Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. Mm. Not a great movie, but those, all of those coats, like the feeling that you first had when you saw Sherlock's coat on the uh, Cumberbatch Sherlock, like the the way he pops that that neck collar. You have a lot of beautiful detail underneath collars that are popped. There's a lot of just great, a lot of great, like high collars and necks. Uh, The Tina character wears a, a long black belted trench. That is everything. It is Is fantastic. uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's some like Olivia Pope level lady trenches happening in here. The shoes, the, 
some beautiful shoes that were made. You only see a couple of shots of the shoes close up. There's a shot of uh, the shoes that Allison Sudol's character is wearing when she's sitting in the rain. Oh, and the lining of her dress appears to be lined in uh, like a shimmery gold fabric. All of the outfits are great, but I got to say, um, for the almost the whole third act, uh, Lita Lestrange, uh, played by that miracle of genetics... Oh, uh, with Jake Zoe Williams. Kravitz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. She's I, wearing I this, like, purple dress with a cape number that is... There are moments when I watch that movie where I legit lost track of what was going on in the plot, which is fine because, Because I was just staring at the detail in that dress and the weight fell on her body. So, Lita Lestrange's purple dress, which wouldn't work on most normal humans' bodies. You need to be literally created out of magic and the genetics of, you know, Denise Huxtable and Romeo Blue. So, yeah, it was just, that outfit was amazing. But then also the clothes in Beale Street, they, it, there's a scene where the characters, there's a kind of red plaid jacket on the man and like a yellow uh, kind of marigold look on the Kiki Lane character. Just gorgeous. Just amazing. And it's... There's a lot of soft fall lighting on both of them. And you really, it, the story is set very clearly in an earlier time. But those outfits, any like any Brooklyn hipster would be proud, yeah. loud and proud in those outfits right now. They were easily transferable to the street today. So those are my like outfits I'd want to cop the most. And you? Mine. So anything that Blake Lovely wore in a simple flavor. Ugh. Not anything because at the end... Uh, and when she was playing her scuzzy uh, doppelganger, not so much. But we're talking about like core outfits for for that character. I'd wear the dirty camp T-shirt though. Like when she just stepped out of the car with the umbrella and the menswear suit and the hat and her shoes, like her shoe closet, Ugh. like just full of the most like sexy Oxford you've ever seen. The vests. I mean, like I said, I mean the woman went to her own. Uh, grave wearing a tie with nothing underneath it. I mean, it's just, and you know, when she's wearing like, like, um, like spectator shoes, uh, like in red gloves, like everything she wore was fantastic. That dicky, those, those, those takeaway, um, yeah, the, uh, the, cuffs. Cu- the cuffs. Yeah, like everything. Like that's, Oof. like that was, I mean, that, that yeah. was next level. Um, even her umbrella. And then se- secondarily, um, Sherry's outfit in Black Panther. Oh, because yeah. they were amazing. Like there was one, it was kind of like a translucent raincoat thing. Uh, it was like white, and she was in the lab, uh, and you could see through it. But it was so nice. Like it's, it was because it was almost like, you know, it was like lab uh, tech gear, but as though Nike, uh, yeah, designed it, but in a really good way. Um, and uh, and then thirdly, um, I. I mean, strangely enough, it's a movie about fashion, and technically it came out last year, but it didn't open here until this year. But um, all of the outfits that um, Daniel Day-Lewis designed in Phantom Thread, right? they were so uh, constructed. So it's not necessarily that they're outfits that I would wear, not that I would wear any of these outfits. Well, I'd wear Sherry's outfits, but um, the clothes were so well made so couture so beautiful um and it was you know it was set in the 50s so there was more function to this style of of um women's uh dresses i mean 
absolutely stunning pieces. And, you know, this isn't something that I particularly notice in movies because a lot of times uh, the outfits are just... Like it's hard. To, it's hard to put my finger on it, but it's not something like fashion in movies doesn't tend to pop out at me. Um, but it really did in in Phantom Thread. Like the clothes were absolutely, like they were like museum pieces. Like if you had like, uh, like who's some famous mid century designer? Um, it's like pieces designed by that person. Uh, that would be in like the Met or something on a dress on a really cool dress form. So, Actually, I'm gonna jump back to museum pieces and and double down on your Black Panther shout out, but for Killmonger's looks. Oh, yeah. And his transition from that museum uh, denim jacket yeah. to his, his throne room look. Yes. Because really, uh, and people have discussed this at length, really Chadwick is sort of like, almost like Captain America in the first movie. Like he's so good and it's all predestined. It's kind of boring. Whereas yeah, he's not the most exciting The voyage character. of yeah. Killmonger in his looks, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. He came to slay. Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so my next category is, <laughs> I'm calling it Spike and Ava Let Us Down. Oh, I'm only saying this because there were so many great uh, films by uh, primarily um, uh, black uh, directors, but I'm going to throw in Crazy Rich Asians and go for, uh, for uh, people of color. Um, but this year... Um, and it's like, I don't remember anything even approaching this in my entire life. So you have Black Panther with Ryan Coogler. You have Sorry to Bother You um, uh, with Boots, Boots Riley. Blind Spotting with David Diggs and his, and his partner, whose name I cannot remember. You have Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, you have Widows, Steve McQueen. You have The Hate You Give, I think it's George Tillman Jr. And then uh, there's actually this movie that I discovered uh, called Novitiate, which was a couple years ago, but it's a fantastic movie about, and I talked about it before. Um, about these uh, young women in the convent in the early 60s and uh, it happened to be directed by, by a black woman and I didn't know that until I read up some more on the movie. Um, it's just been, uh, I don't know, like overwhelming is not the, the appropriate word, but the reason I say Spike and Ava let us down is because we also had Black Klansmen and A Wrinkle in Time, which are two movies that I did not care for. But they both made okay money. Well, I mean, that's neither here nor there. I mean, it's good for them, but and, and possibly it's one of Spike Lee's um, most uh, embraced by the mainstream movies. But personally, I, I didn't like it um, at all. And I didn't like A Wrinkle in Time, but... Well, he used white people's kryptonite, Adam Driver. But I mean, it's, I just think it's just it's great to, if, to be able to say that Spike Lee and Ava DuVernay made the least... Uh, like of a long list Absolutely. of movies by people of color that they made my least favorites, and I and I love them as filmmakers. I just think that it just means it just proves how many people there are. There's room for more than just one a year, and and, and not even that. There's room, but there's there's so many different diverse. Like none of these movies really have that much in common. And even Creed Two, which was uh, directed by somebody somebody junior, um, he's no Ryan Coogler, but you know this is also a young uh, black male director. Who's been given, you know, the the keys to a very successful franchise? It's uh, Stephen Capel Jr. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah like he, he's like we don't even know who he is. But this is the guy who I'm assuming that Ryan Coogler, because he's an executive producer, he obviously like can pick this guy to to uh, take over for him. So you know, like we're talking like maybe you know these are the movies that I know. There could be other movies uh, with black directors. So you know, we're talking about like a dozen movies with a uh, that did well 
were part of the conversation that were directed by, by people of color. It was a great year. So of those, uh, I'm going to say my favorite is still Widows, just because Widows is... Widows is Widows. Widows is Widows. Yeah. So. You don't need to say anything else about Widows. <laughs> yeah. I've talked about Widows. We've been talking about Widows since June. Since like, the trailer dropped. Yeah. We did a full, almost a full episode on the trailer, so I'm going to just leave that right there. And I did another hour on Ryan's podcast on Widows, so you know. And, and who knew that Steve McQueen could pivot? I know. To give us this, so much entertainment. Yeah. And normally he's been giving us so much, like, just, you know, misery. Yeah, and really just that, that big Davis energy with, like, Viola. Oh, yeah. Uh, oof. Every chick in that movie got swagger, though. Yeah. A Revo? Oh, I have to put her That reminds me. I have to put her on another list. Yeah. Your newcomer? Nope. People have been sleeping on it's category? Not no, it's, just, <laughs> it, it, it's more general than that. People I want to watch running? There's actually a stop on uh, on the um, Go Train line that called, that's called Old Comer, and every time I, I read it, I giggle like a fool. Of course you do. Yep. So what's yours of those movies? Like, what's your fave? Uh, it's... I'm going to have to go with uh, Widows because, I mean, I love Black Panther, so I you know, saw both of those movies twice. Um, and, yeah, I, Widows is, there's some, because Widows is like, it's, 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 there's so many levels to Widow. I mean, there are levels to Black Panther, too, but Widows has just got so much going on. Um, and I also, I mean, I love Crazy Rich Asians. The Hate You Give is so good. Uh, I mean, all of these movies are. I love Sorry to Bother You. I love Blind Spotting. Like, and those movies hit on all levels. It's like bad movies there's, on this list. There's good performances. There's good costume design. There's beautiful cinematography. Like each one of those that I've seen, like I can think of a shot in them that was just gorgeous. Like the whole walking down the aisle thing with that ridiculous oh, like water. water situation. Yeah. Crazy. Like, like what am I watching? This is gorgeous. This is like a fever dream of opulence. The the driving from the rally to the house that's just inside yeah. the borders of the district in Widows, that whole shot, uh, the way they frame the shot when she's dropping the dog off at the uh, the groomer slash border place. Uh, beautiful shots. Like they, all of those films have just like beautiful visual moments as well. Mm -hmm. Like great soundtrack. Like it's just, they are, it's not just one thing. Horsemen. I mean, the, and the thing is, all of these movies, I mean, they were all very different from one another. Like, even Sorry to Bother You and Blind Spotting, which are sort of thematically the closest, are, are worlds apart. But also, like, all of these movies, there's all, I mean, there are great stories, but there's also social commentary in the movies. Some, like, more, uh, some larger than, than others. But all of them are movies with messages. Um, but they happen to be messages that are tied inside really, really great movies. Like, it's... Like it's just it's it's incredible. Uh, so, what's your next category? Um, movies that I ended up watching on a plane <laughs> because so much came out this year. So, there's a couple of films that I wait. You mean you saw them like the? It was a movie that was like I ended up watching. Like I I had to go out west a couple times this year for work. It's a four and a half hour flight. But and I mean, is it movies that you? took with you or that no no like I literally just like let's scroll through what Air oh, Canada's okay. got on the, okay. the teeny tiny screen. It's movies that aren't designed to be watched so I watched Incredibles 2 oh. on a plane on a plane screen it wasn't bad it was okay but it was good I guess but 
I love the movie. I'm just saying. I'm, so I'm much just came out this. So much came out this year that by the time I got to that like back half of spring summer, uh, I was exhausted by just the the sheer volume of um, Disney and the related subsidiaries it put out. So I did not see Solo. Still have not seen Solo. I have not seen that either. And I saw. Um, I'm not going to see it during the holidays either. No time. I, I saw Incredibles two on a plane. I saw um, Jurassic. Uh, dinosaur prison movie yeah. on a plane that again is definitely not designed to be seen on a plane. I saw snakes on a plane. I'm fine on a plane. Uh, that I saw it. Oh, you saw snakes on a plane on a plane? Nope, I've never even seen it. Oh my god, I saw snakes on a plane first weekend. Went with friends. We brought like bags of like rubber snakes to throw. Oh, like it was like full on. I'm really glad I wasn't there. It was. Uh, there's a baby on that plane. Although I do wonder. Oh, there's a baby on the snakes on the plane plane? Yeah. Oh. I know the minute I saw Chekhov's baby, I was like, that baby better end up as a bulge in a snake's belly. I don't remember if it did or not. Now I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. And what was was kind of, oh, movies that you saw on a plane? Is this the category? Yeah, yeah. Or movies that basically that I didn't see, or you could make it just that you didn't see in a theater that you thought you would have. So at the beginning of the year... You know, trailers are coming out. You know, it's coming out. You think, oh, I'm going to be super excited about this. And then you end up not seeing it. And those two films, well, I wasn't really excited about the Jurassic movie. But yeah. definitely Incredibles. I thought I would be seeing that in the yeah. theater. Yeah, I think I saw it on the opening. And I didn't. Yeah. It was just a... So I have something that's sort of like... It's kind of like... Or you watch it via other means, perhaps, and not in the theater. Well, yeah, like a lot of these things yeah. I've seen. I have not, like, I've not been to the theater 151 times this year. Although... I've, at least half the at least half these movies I've seen in a theater, if not more than half. Um, so I have a category that's sort of it's called Who Knew. So basically, it's movies that I did not see um, when they came out, and I just sort of caught up on them this year. Strangely enough, because I hated a, uh, a Star Is Born, I hate Bradley Cooper as a role, but the movie Burnt, we've talked about this before, surprisingly good. The movie Novitiate, which I wanted to see, I saw, I caught up with it this year. Fantastic. I am surprised. I mean, there was some talk about um, maybe Melissa Leo getting nominated um, a couple of years ago. It didn't happen. Too bad. The movie's fantastic. This is right... So this next one is down to a fever dream. It's called Ricky and the Flash. And... Um, no. I saw it. I was, <laughs> I was three days into a uh, seven or eight day... Uh, is this the flu? Flu fever. Okay, so um, and but it's it's one of the only things. Listener, she was dehydrated me, and delusional. It's one of the only things that made me happy. So I'm actually I want to see it now that I'm like no, don't sober. No, just allow the part of you that Rick, was able to watch and enjoy something. Rick Springsteen is in it. It's like it was really awful, but uh, it just made me. I have I can I remember very much how I felt while I was watching it. I was like, okay, I guess I don't really want to die if I can live to see Ricky and the Flash too. Um, and then finally, uh, Paddington and Paddington 2, which were so good. I've heard great things about the Paddington uh, family of films. They didn't, like, I guess because it's such a beloved British thing, but Paddington and Paddington 2 are, when I try to tell people, they're like, oh, God. Um, but you know what? Uh, show me, first of all, show me two better animated movies. Um, but it's it's most people would be hard-pressed to find two better movies, period. Like, they're just really, really, really good. And, like, fantastic casts. So, yeah, who knew? These are all great movies. All right. Well, at this point, we're going to take a beverage break. 
and think about what our next group of categories are. I really need to ask you some more questions about Ricky and the Flash that while we're paused. <coughs> we'll be back. And we're back with a gin and tonic and a ballon glass. Well, if you're going to do something, do it properly. Yeah. That's what I like to say. Yeah. That's why everyone hates me. That's why when Questlove's like, I feel like making a mm. playlist inspired by Michelle Obama. He makes not one but three. Well, the, I mean... The Michelle Obama-inspired playlist created by Questlove uh, based on her book tour. <laughs> based on a book tour. Which is the most... That's very specific. Playlist number two is literally everything. It's giving me life. It's so good. Ooh. Yeah. It's some great old black lady music. Oh, anti-music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get a little uh, um, uh, Tony Braxton. <laughs> a little I, I'm not. I my anti-music. It's, it's, I don't want to spoil I'm, it for you. I have no idea what it is. I'm just going to say, check out the Questlove uh, playlist on Spotify. It's three. Yes, inspired by the Michelle Obama book tour. I'm not making that up. It sounds like if there was a black version of The Onion, it sounds like an article <laughs> from that, but it's not. It's a real thing. So back to you. Next topic. Um, so mine is um, uh, it's performers, which isn't necessarily performances, but you know some of these people have had multiple performances this year. Um, some of them have had good and bad performances. Um, for instance... Elizabeth Rebicki, top of my list. Uh, in Widows, she was fantastic. And Elizabeth Rebicki, I bought Elizabeth Rebicki's stock a while ago, and I didn't think it would ever pay dividends. But she's finally getting, um, like, I think this, um, like, her performance in Widows will do fantastic things for her career. And it's one of the, I mean, she's also, we've talked about her before, she's ridiculously tall. And that has always worked um, sort of against her because you know, I think people would say she's got to be a leading lady, but she's tall. There's no man except for like an army hammer or a Hemsworth who she could be opposite. So, but I feel like the way that Steve McQueen didn't shy away from her height, it wasn't remarked on. Like no one ever said to her, oh my God, you're so tall. But her physical, like it was just, Alice was a really tall woman who, but the world had treated her like a very small woman. Um, so I, you know, then I saw another movie with her in the film festival in which she played Virginia Woolf, which was terrible casting. Um, but uh, so I just think uh, that this is really like the rest of her career is is going to be thanks to Stephen McQueen. Um, my second is Ma Anand Sheila from Wild Wild Country because this might be the baddest bitch out there right now. Ma Anand Sheila is a uh, is a sociopath and a, and a criminal mastermind of the highest order. She's a real person. She was in Wild Wild Country on Netflix. And, uh, yeah, she don't, like, even if I ran across her today, I, I, I think I'd be scared of what she could do to me. Um, third, Blake Lively. And this is not an order of anything. This is just the order that I, that I put them down. Uh, I, Blake Lively has been someone who I've liked but hated myself for liking for years. But because um, I liked the movie when she was that blind woman, I liked The Age of Adeline. Um, but she was really, really fantastic in A Simple Favor. Um, Tessa Thompson. Uh, who we got the pleasure of seeing uh, th- at least three times this year in Thor Ragnarok, in Sorry to Bother You, and in Creed 2. Um, and in... Um, uh, was she in Annihilation? Uh, yeah, Annihilation! Shit, yeah. Which she, bridges the years, she but... She's like a four, four... Yeah, this is like a four... Yeah, and also in Janelle Monáe's um, uh, Vagina Pants in the video. 
Uh, yeah, like, this is, uh, I love Tessa Thompson. She could do anything. Oh, and also that god-awful TV show that I can't stand, Westworld. But she's like, I mean, come on. This is like, she's in everything and she's good in everything, except for Westworld, because Westworld is garbage fire. Um, Olivia the Dog, we've already talked about her. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, who I actually realized that I saw three times this year in, uh, um, in Creed 2, in, uh, um, uh, Black Panther, but also sadly in that terrible Fahrenheit 451 movie. <laughs> but you know what? He's still he's still quite handsome and charismatic. Um, Chris Hemsworth, because uh, he was great in Thor. He was great in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Did favorite. you watch Twelve Strong? No, I did not see Twelve Strong. Neither I, did I. I don't. That's not my idea of Chris Hemsworth. He's not he's not an action hero. He's not a serious action hero. Uh, so no, um, Carla Gugino, who was, uh, like a revelation to me because I haven't really seen her since Karen Sisko, but she was great in, um, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, and also Cynthia Erivo, who was, uh, like had this fantastic one-two punch, like out of nowhere, because I didn't know about, like, I, I knew that she was in The Color Purple, but I've never seen her, um, the first time I saw her was in Widows. And, then, and you do hate all musicals. I do hate all musicals. Uh, and then uh, and then Bad Times at the El Royale, of which she is like the heart and soul of that movie. That movie is so good, and I, I, I beseech you to watch it when you get the chance. I will totally re-watch it when it's available. But uh, like, like in terms of newcomers, because Elizabeth Debicki's been around for a while, but uh, Cynthia Revo just sort of like this year um, was in my two favorite uh, trailers of the year. And she was fantastic in both of these movies. So those are my... Um, you know, there's performances that we haven't seen, and there's like there's all there's a ton of really really good performances, but these were just like the performers that that uh, sort of popped for me this year because they were so like some of them were ubiquitous, like like Tessa Thompson, but I don't know, they were just like these are performances or people who made me really happy every time I got a chance to see them this this year. Every time they showed up in their respective movies or whatever, I was like, oh, like I was so happy to see them. That's it. Your list was great. I think the only one I'd even bother to add to it is Daniel Kaluuya. Because coming Ooh. off of the Get Out year, yeah. especially normally for so um, actors of color or really young women, if we think of an Anna Paquin from The Piano, mm-hmm. it's usually really tough when somebody comes off a big year from that to continue to convert um, that credit that they've gained into good roles. And, and in two, like, big movies. Yeah, yeah. Two really fantastic films. I mean, he was in the only movie that, that I saw. Uh, I've only seen two movies twice this year. And he, he was in both, both of, them. of them. Yeah. Yep. So Dana Kaluuya in Black Panther, his part wasn't big. But again, the, the great and terrifying and terrible thing about the Marvel Universe is they planted so many seeds in all of those phases Characters that you just see for a second or two in one movie could end up, yeah. you know, having a whole arc in a following movie. So the fact that his character wasn't even seen in Infinity War isn't a bad thing. If anything, it's a good thing because if there is any sort of Wakanda-based conflict in the next Black Panther, he could really be the main character that yeah. we see leading that. So, uh, and he has had a relationship with. Uh, you know, T'Challa, 
he was married, although you didn't get much of that in the text in the actual film oh, to Okoye's character. I oh. believe she was married, but you only sort of get that if you watch all the special features and shit. Oh, I just got the impression that they were, like, uh, lovers. Yeah, They're yeah. No, married. I believe they were actually... If they weren't actually married, they were, like, about to be. Right. So, yeah, they were, like, fully booed up and had this, you know, crisis of, you know, political differences, which I'm sure a lot of people out there can empathize with right now again that story's for everyone it's not just about black people like i'm sure there's some you know ride or die couples or thought they were up until this past couple of years in uh the political climate whether you are in north america uk or somewhere else and there's been some pretty huge divisive issues yes, around the Brexit's. world yeah your brexits your, your the the resurgence <laughs> of the ford here in ontario there's a lot of things that would cause couples to have some pretty spicy debates that uh, previously maybe they agreed to disagree because they weren't as divisive. But yeah, right now, like, you know, Okoye and uh, Daniel Kalu's character from uh, Black Panther also get to show you what happens uh, when you strongly disagree. Yeah. It it can it can mess up your home life. And then obviously, even if you've never watched Widows, if you listen to this podcast, you at least watch the trailer because we legit did a full hour on the trailer in June. Just him waving at that funeral. You don't even need to see the movie. He's, or, or he's, he's that under good. that guy, and the camera is swirling yeah. around them. But he's like, he's in this guy's face, but he's below his face, which is used a lot in the latest, like the last trailer. trailer yeah, it is have. so like this is like it's me- and he's more menacing in the movie. But that is such a menacing, in the way that the camera swirls around. It just because in in real life he's just standing there staring in his face, but with the camera swirling around it. But it that's this whole other level of, oh, so good. But that's so good. how you follow up, like, a get-out year. Yes. Get in. Yeah. It's like he's building a brand. He's doing good work. So yes. great job, Daniel Kalua, to continue to convert your stock. Yes. Yeah. So you did uh, performances, which I love that one. Um, going to switch over to music. So this will be a brief one that we discussed before we started. Uh, best Shade song in a movie, which is a category that shouldn't Unto exist. Unto itself, yep. She was, she was gone. She was all over it this year. Yeah. Shade did what she needed to do. Um, <laughs> which was make two songs that sound like her other songs. But, but up until she was gone for years, and, and many people unknowingly have her to thank for their existence in the world. Yes. Many babies were made. If you were born after 1982? You were made to shot in. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely were. So, or uh, if if by some miracle you come from a two-parent household and your parents are still happy together, shot is that glue. They kept them <laughs> together. So, yeah. Uh, best shot song in a movie. There were two shot songs this year. Do you know what they're called? Uh, Flower of the Universe is the song uh, from okay, yeah. Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. And the big unknown was the song was, oh, in Widows. Okay. Yeah, obviously. My chips are all on. Widows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the song in Widows, I, and we talked about this, I feel like her blocker in the Flower of the Universe song being the full force of Sade is that she probably had to restrain her the low-key sexual energy. Uh, if you ever listen to the, the group Sweetback, which yes. is comprised of the gentlemen who were her, her band. And her yeah, yeah, that sort of that uh, signature Sade baseline. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: your upper your upper register of Sade, the ooh, that's what gets you uh, to first base. 
That's what removes the upper quadrant of your garments. But that sweep back, that's what gets the rest of the that's job That's what gets done. your sweep back. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it definitely, you get that energy in the big unknown, the yeah. widow song. You don't get it. In the flower universe, yeah, something's, sure. missing. something's it's missing in the mix. Like there's like it's a some child's movie. Track that's yeah. missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but you got Reese, you got, you got Chris Pine. Like, if you and I think that song is playing in a scene with Chris Pine in it. Um, because it's, a, it's not playing over the credits. It's actually in the movie, right? I don't know. I know for sure in Widows, it's over the credits. It's over the credits, but I, I swear that the that in uh, in a Wrinkle in Time, it's when they're in that QB room thing um, with Chris Pine. So, I mean. <laughs> Chris Pine's been doing a lot of not typical things this year. No, also a great, I mean, Wrinkle in Time, Outlaw King. Yeah, he's, he's uh, popping up in unexpected places. He's actually, um, and, and this sort of pivots to my. No Pine Penis pun there. To like a future, uh, well, it's my next category. But uh, yeah, he's actually, uh, he's going to be one of the voices in Spider Man into the Spider Verse as well. So he's all over the place. Basically. Yeah. And he was but wearing, not in your typical places for no, somebody who looks like him. No, he was wearing like his, his long caftan. In Capri or wherever he was uh, with his girlfriend on vacation this summer on a rocky beach. Yeah, it's Chris Pine. Oh, gotta love him. Yeah, we do. Got to. We really do. So, yeah, that's it. Best shot I saw in a movie, Big Unknown, Widows. Uh, so, my next category is Will Love. So, these are movies that I have no doubt will make it onto my best of list, but I, I just haven't had a chance to see them yet or they're not out. So, Burning, which you saw at the film festival, which I heard great things about. Mm. Ralph Breaks the Internet, because Wreck-It Ralph was such a good movie. And yeah, it's weird, because I, every once in a while, there are really great kids' movies that I really, really like, and uh, so I think I will love uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, but I was too embarrassed to go this weekend, because I didn't want to go to matinee, which is my typical, if I go to a movie uh, by myself, I like to go to a weekend matinee, and I just didn't want to be there with all those children. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots, with uh, your... Uh, Sir Ronan, who is fantastic, never, uh, this woman is like incapable of a bad performance. And one of the best, I think she has the best child to adult acting transition of any actor that I've ever seen. It's been seamless. We've seen her almost every year of her life. Um, and she's phenomenal. So she plays uh, Mary Queen of Scots and um, uh, Margot Robbie plays... Uh, her cousin, somebody else, some some old English lady queen type, uh, but it looks really good. And th- that and the favorite are going to be like these two movies about uh, about uh, uh, British queens. So the favorite, I think, everything I've heard about it makes it sound as though this is might be my favorite movie of all time. And the trailer is fantastic. Um, Spider Man to the Spider Verse, which I already mentioned. Um, the voice cast on this movie is bananas. When you see who's in it, it's just it's incredible. Um, Free Solo, which was a movie that I almost saw at uh, TIFF, but I didn't get a chance to. So it's this uh, uh, documentary about this guy who does a Free Solo, uh, Val Capitan. Um, so it's like this sheer granite face, and he climbs it without any ropes, and apparently it's fantastic. Um, Vice, which is, I think it's Paul Thomas Anderson, on the movie about uh, Dick Cheney, which it's got Christian Bale and Amy Adams. And Christian Bale is... He made a movie this year uh, called Hostiles, which was fantastic. It was him and Rosamund Pike. Um, didn't get a lot of notice, um, and J- Jesse Plemons was in it. So I put him on, I actually put Jesse Plemons on the list of performers, too, because he was in so much good stuff this year. Um, but you cannot count on a movie with Christian Bale in it. Um, and it's one of these movies that he gained like 40 pounds for and uh, transformed himself into Dick Cheney, a man that he looks nothing like. 
Um, there's also Bird Box, which is another uh, Netflix uh, movie with uh, my favorite, uh, my, my America sweetheart, Sandy Bull. Uh, and uh, If Bill Street Could Talk, which I did not get a chance to see a tip either. So I think, you know, that's, you know, there's like another 10 movies that I'm very much looking forward to that I think are, I have every reason to believe are like made for me. So yeah, I think. And, and then there's probably like another 10 movies that I still need to see before the end of the year, which I'm not sure if I'll like them or not, but I got to, I got to cram them in. Yeah. That, the end of the Spider-Verse, I think I showed you that trailer for the first time. Yeah. Thinking that you would have no interest in it. No, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And it is probably one of the movies I'm most excited about next to the favorite. And Jurgis Lanthimos is that like kind of every other movie I really like, I think. I think I like, I've liked every single movie of his that I've seen. I mean, I'm the person who liked the one with the brothers and sisters who were like fucking each other and they didn't know that the world was happening outside. Um, Dogtooth. Right. But a lot of people hated Dogtooth. I absolutely loved it. Uh, so on that movies I haven't seen yet, stuff that's already come out that I haven't seen. Uh, I never saw Mission Impossible. Oh, so this is on my, yeah. Uh, I didn't see that. was great. I didn't see Quiet Place. <laughs> Such a good movie. I didn't see Venom. I just saw, you know what the funny thing is? I just saw Venom yesterday. And I didn't see... And I, and I couldn't... I mean, it's stupid, but I liked it. And I didn't see Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade is on my list of best movies, too. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all movies that, like, have an outside chance of at least being nominated for, in the case of a couple okay. of them, technical awards. I don't know Venom well. It's not that good. Well, you never know. Even for, like, effects or whatever. Maybe not. The effects aren't that good. Yeah, probably not. It's just... But... Uh, it, it's just bonkers. Eighth Grade, they've already sort of uh, launched the award season campaign, like, uh, the writer of that, Burnham, he's been popping yeah. up on those uh, round tables and other things. So, and Quiet Place, obviously, it came out around the same time of year that Get Out did the year before. Yeah. So you're going to probably see Krasinski popping up on panels and other things. And Emily Blunt's also got, oh, uh, apparently, I'm going to have to put Mary Poppins on the list, too, because apparently it's really good, even though I've never seen the original Mary Poppins. Well, at least costume and design. don't care? You've never seen original Mary Poppins? No, I didn't see any, I didn't see Bedknobs or Broomsticks. I didn't watch any Disney live, well, first of all, I barely watch any Disney cartoons. It just never appealed to me. So, yeah, I never saw. Oh, right, because you hate musicals, so it would also yeah. fall in line with <laughs> yeah. that. Even little, little Melinda. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't want... Chim Chimney, Chim Chim, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it was never, I never was interested in that stuff. All right. But yeah, but I love Emily Blunt. I love Emily Blunt. So yeah, and apparently this movie is really good, so I, I think I'm going to have to go see this. Is she singing in, is this a musical? Is she yeah, singing? of course it's a musical. Lin-Manuel Miranda Ugh. is playing the Dick Van Dyke role. Oh my God, I hate him. But anyway, uh, yeah, all right, well, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Like, I don't think I've seen any musicals this year, so I can see one. And not vomit, probably. And so you didn't see a Star is Born. Ugh. Because then that count see, as a musical. No, because th- here's the difference to me: is that a musical to me is a movie where people are singing where they shouldn't be, where they sing dialogue. Uh, Star is Born is a movie uh, about singers, so I don't con- I don't consider it a musical. Just like I don't consider uh, Bohemian Rhapsody um, a, a musical. It's when people just spontaneously start singing, and I get I find it very distressing. But I also don't like movies with singing in it, period. Like, I hated A Star is Born, because I don't want people singing in movies. All right, next category for you. Uh, so next category for me is something that I'm... So there's really two. So it's really difficult to compile. First of all, there's no such thing as a ten, um, as a top ten list, because there's just too much stuff. 
So I've split the best movies I've seen this year between two uh, categories. One called artsy shit. <laughs> uh, and uh, the other one is called Stuff People Like. Um, in, you know, it, this is just my my read. Uh, so what I think is artsy, well, it's pretty artsy, but even the things that I think that are things that people generally like, um, some of them are, are blockbusters, some of them aren't. Um, so I'll start with um, crowd pleasers. So obviously Black Panther. Uh, Blockers, which was, did you see Blockers? No. So Blockers is that movie about these uh, three girls who are, in high school, they're going to prom, and they all plan to, to lose their virginity. Um, and it's really good. Like, it's a comedy. It's very sweet. The three girls are fantastic. Oh! Is John Cena a father? Yeah, this? John Cena's a father. Right. Yeah, you've got, um, so, uh, in Ike Barinholtz and um, Leslie Manville. No, no, it's Leslie Manville. Um, she wishes. Le- Leslie, um, the one who's married to Judd Apatow. She's uh, one of the mothers. And so the parents are sort of like shadowing the girls, trying to make sure that they don't have sex, except for Ike Barinholtz, who thinks to just leave them alone. Um, but it was really, really good. Um, Avengers Infinity War, obviously. Um, Deadpool 2. Yes. Um, Isle of Dogs, which was really, really, really good. Um, and uh, Incredibles 2. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh Every time there's a Mission Impossible movie, sort of after Mission Impossible 3, they just these movies just start to get really good. I don't know how they do it because Tom Cruise insists on doing every fucking um, stunt in these movies. You know, and, and this has, you know, this is the one where famously he shattered his ankle. That scene's in the movie. He gets up. Like, he jumps from one building to another, uh, shatters his ankle, and then gets up and runs away, and that take is in the movie. Um, a Simple Favor. Um Bad Times at the El Royale, Crazy Rich Asians, Widows, and then Juliet Naked, which is a movie that I was kind of like, eh, I don't, wasn't particularly interested in it, um, but I heard good things about it. So this is a movie with uh, Chris O'Dowd and um, uh, uh, the We Like Her. She's married to uh, Bobby Cannavale. She's oh, Australian. Right. Rose Byrne. Um, and... Uh, um, and actually, this is like a, an, another guy who's had like two really interesting performers this year. Um, uh, Ethan Hawke, so he plays this guy who was a, a singer uh, in the, when he was in his 20s, and he just kind of dropped off the scene. And Chris O'Dowd is, is British, and he's sort of obsessed with this guy. Um, and it's, like, it's the plot is a bit it's kind of difficult to explain, but it turned out to be this really beautiful... Uh, sad, funny, life-affirming kind of comedy. And it kind of, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought it would just be sort of like a ridiculous man and his sort of like girlfriend who's just put upon, but it turned out to be way, way better than that. So uh, I'm really a huge fan of Juliet Naked. And all of these movies are the kind of movies that uh, would sort of have um, a, a broad appeal. Like anyone who likes nice things or to feel good or to have fun would like all of these movies. So those are my crowd pleasers. Oh, do you want me to keep going? Or yeah, I want to hear your artsy shit. Oh, yeah, some artsy shit. Um, so, uh, Phantom Thread, the artist of the artist. Uh, and Daniel Day-Lewis, as far as we know, was his last performance. It was such a good movie. Um, Hostiles, which I mentioned, which was a movie um, set in, uh, I guess, the 1800s. Uh, Christian Bale plays somebody who's in, uh, you know the guys? You saw Dances with Wolves, right? Mm-hmm. 
So whatever Kevin Costner was, was he a ranger? Like whatever, like it was the U.S. military? Um, and uh, he sort of takes, um, Rosamund Pike's entire family is, is killed in an attack at the beginning of the movie. Um, it's actually, it's just a really, really good movie. They're just making their way uh, across the Old West. And uh, uh, there's, it's violent, but it's actually really, really beautiful. Um, this movie called The Square, which actually came out last year. And I want to say it is, it's one of those Scandinavian or, or Northern European countries. Um, and strangely enough, Elizabeth Moss is in it. Um, maybe it's like Norway or somewhere. It's, it's weird. It's about this guy who is the director of a museum and they're putting on this exhibit called The Square. Um, and he does something that gets him into like this really weird predicament. And there's this one sequence in it where this guy is, and if you ever see the, the poster, there's this man who doesn't have a shirt on who's like squatting on a table. Uh, it's like one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever seen in a movie in my life. It's um, kind of like the celebration. Like it has that, um, did you see the celebration? Um, no, but you told me to. Yeah, like it's, the celebration has like, it's like it's uncomfortable all the way through. Um, but it's about art and, uh, and people who, this guy's basically a, a fraud. But anyway, it's a really, really great movie. Um, Thoroughbreds with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and uh, Olivia Cook. And Olivia Cook was also in this show um, uh, on British television. It was um, Vanity Fair uh, by Thackeray. And she played, uh, 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 I want to say Fanny Bryce, but that's not her name. It's Becky Sharp. She was so good. Like she's she's this really really great actor who's just sort of, and she's so young. I don't think she's even. She might be like 26, 27, but she's been putting in really really good work for the past. Uh, I think the first time I saw her was on uh, Bates Motel, but she's really really good. Thoroughbred is fantastic. It's kind of like Heather's, but like a modern day Heather's. Um, Annihilation, which we already talked about. A Quiet Place, which um, was phenomenal. Um, American Animals, which was really good. Um, there was a movie about these uh, these four kids uh, who basically uh, set out to steal these books from a um, they're like Audubon um, original um, books from this library. They do it for no apparent reason, except that it's something to do. But the movie is way better than that, um, and it stars Anne Dowd. But Anne Dowd, like, surprisingly, isn't creepy in this movie. Um, sorry to bother you. Uh, First Reformed, which was the other Ethan Hawke film where he plays a priest who's sort of conflicted. Um, Blind Spotting, which we talked about. Uh, Leave No Trace, uh, which was um, uh, with... Um, I forget who played the dad. It's an actor that we all know. Um, ben Foster. Uh, and it's he and his daughter are living sort of off the grid in the Pacific Northwest and they could sort of get discovered by, by law enforcement. And, you know, he, this man wants to, he's a, he's an ex, um, he's a vet. Um, so he wants a life of, of solitude. And it's about, you know, what is his daughter's place in the world? Um, and her performance is fantastic. Um, eighth grade, which is cringy in all the best ways. Kind of like Welcome to the Dollhouse, but not quite as cringy. Um, that Time of Year, which hasn't come out yet, but uh, it's a Danish movie from the film festival. Um, and, um, and the only reason I say it's artsy shit is because it's in another language, but it's a pretty mainstream movie. Uh, and then finally, The Wife, uh, which I kind of really resisted, 
that's the one with Glenn Close, who plays the, the wife of a man um, who is, uh, he's been awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. And it is, I, I, I think she might get nominated this year. So just making the race for Best Actress all that much more difficult. And it's really a good thing that, uh, that Gloria Bell is coming up next year because it's going to be a slaughterhouse. Like, there's just so many good performances this year. It's almost like it is for men. You know what? I'm all, like, for as long <laughs> as I can remember, I've always been way more invested in the Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress categories just because those, to me, like, those performances are always better. Like, it's always, like do I fucking care about Gary Oldman playing fucking Winston Churchill? No, do not. I care about Leslie Manville playing Daniel Day-Lewis's tough-ass sister. It's just, and it's not because I'm a woman. I just think that these performances and these characters are way better because they haven't been explored in, in movies all that often. But that's just me. But that's my list. That's amazing. And I have nothing comparable <laughs> to that list. That's a lot of extra work that I did not put in ahead of time. <laughs> well, but you know. what I do have is a special category... Uh, what I'm calling the the James Woods Award. Uh, shout out to two of his previous performances, one as Byron Della Beckwith from Ghost of Mississippi, and the other as Hades <laughs> in the animated hit Hercules, where we realize now many years later he wasn't acting in either of those roles. Sorry, what is Hercules? Hercules? Is that what you're saying? The, the, the animated film Hercules. He plays Hades. I don't know what that is. What's the animated When is this from? It was It was the end of the, the height of that. It may have been either before or after Emperor's New Groove, but it's in that era. It's like, it's after oh. your Lion Kings and your Lion Oh, so it was funny. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had that weird animation where people had like long... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's so, a Disney movie, okay. Yeah, the Disney Hercules kind of movie. Saying, yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, That's he, weird he played okay. the devil. So James Wood apparently uh, was trying to tell us who he was all along. <laughs> uh, but Is that Baby Hercules? Uh, yeah, it's Baby Hercules. <laughs> However, his performances in both of those films, quite good. Mm. Uh, and I believe the Byron Delabethic one was definitely nominated for a few things, his Ghost of Mississippi role. So yes. these are people I'm nominating them because, one, their performances were good in what is normally a thankless role, which isn't just, you know, you're, not, you're not just like a, a racist villain, but you're like a character that really has no redeemable qualities, mm-hmm. but you really just lead into it. Yeah. Um, but also, I hope none of these gentlemen grow up to become a real James Woods. So, uh, this, I've got three people in this category, uh, three or two. Oh, three. And then, a, a honorable mention, honorable mention, dishonorable mention. Uh, mention to, uh, Johnny Depp for crimes of Grindelwald, uh, just because but he, but he's already of grown all up the things. To be he, an asshole. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, Amber Heard knows. Amber Heard, uh, that, that Rolling Stone article, was it Rolling Stone or Vanity Fair that just came out that raises as many questions as it doesn't uh but the actual nominees are um topher grace for black Klansman playing david duke wow we never thought when we first met eric from that 70s show that we would see this turn and yet well he'll turn he does a good job like that movie has its issues it's it's issues but uh topher grace's performance as the weirdly jovial kind of uh, your your friendly neighbor mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's giving you a lot of Truman Show like energy, like that. Good afternoon, good morning, good night, that kind of energy. He's infusing into David Duke, which makes you understand why um, some of these figures are able to uh, attract a following, even though you know what they stand for, because on the face of it, they don't seem as menacing as they actually are. Yeah. So the face can never be like the, the, the total face of evil. Yeah. So, uh, we also have Ed Screen, uh, a very low key woke bay, if we all remember how he yep. turned down the role of an Asian character or a character that in the comic books was Asian. Yeah, there was a And he was like, yeah. yeah. So, he plays a police officer in If Beale Street Could Talk that is, he's not great as a human being. And uh, basically, his role is a catalyst for a lot of terrible things that happen. And you don't see him for long, but he's very, very memorable. And does he look sexy? Because he's really good looking. I mean, he's he's in a cop uniform, which I cannot ever find mm. sexy ever again. Yeah. So, yeah. for reasons, but whatever. Anyway, and Army Hammer uh, in Sorry to Bother You. Um, his sort of... Uh, is it like a linen kind of day dress thing that he's wearing near the end there. Oh, he's just wearing, uh, yeah, just like a caftan. Like a, like a, is it a caftan or sarong, caft, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it's like a long, does yeah. there slits in the side? I think I think it has slits in the side, then it's a then it's a caftan. If it wraps around, it's a sarong. But the Army Hammer character in Sorry to Bother You, um, well, perhaps not as overt as, you know, uh, corrupt police officer David Duke and magical Hitler He still does some very problematic things in Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, he's great, though. Exactly. And so great. He's so enjoyable to watch. So if I had to, I mean, Ed Scree doesn't have enough minutes on screen to win this award. He doesn't have enough minutes on screen. Yeah. And I might, for, for just pure charm, if it was just charm, I'd give it to Army Hammer, but I think I actually have to give this to Topher Grace because he does what is a, a possibly, especially in the current climate, could have been a very thankless task, and it, it's always a challenge right now. I imagine for non-actors of color to accept a role where they know they'll be saying mm-hmm. the N-word, mm-hmm. and as we've learned, I'm looking, I'm looking at you, Vigo. Yeah. Just because you got to say it in the movie does not yeah. mean you get to say it in the press tour. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say we don't say this word anymore and then mm. say it. Yeah. There's a reason we don't say it anymore. Yeah. It offends and hurts people. Yeah. So, uh, and I feel like Topher Grace is still a bit of a question mark uh, in terms of could he grow up to be James Wood? I don't know. But he could. Maybe. He, he kind of looks like him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's... Uh, that's a award for a role that in the past, in the old world of like, you know, Oscar so white and everything else, I'd say at least one of these dudes because could have even been in the talk for award season. But now that there's a new canvas, if you will, uh, on which to uh, paint your laurels, they definitely are recognized and will get work again easily. All of these people mm-hmm. They definitely are, may not be at the top of the list 
for award season. Like if any of these gentlemen are nominated for a supporting actor award over, let's say Daniel Kaluuya for Widows, something's done horribly wrong. Or over the black lead in their own movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, well, maybe not in the case of Black Klansman. Uh, I feel like uh, the Adam Driver character has an outside shot. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely uh, for the other three, if any of them are nominated for anything before either the the person of color, creator, director, or leads, then something's gone horribly wrong. Crimes of Grindelwald's a bit of an outlier where, I don't know, I feel like the only uh, body that would nominate Johnny Depp would be the Hollywood Foreign Press because they like to do wild-ass shit. And they they love the the tourist. tourist. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we both remember that they love the tourists. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? But yeah, that's uh, as more and more art is reflecting either uh, by using metaphor in the case of the wizarding world of Harry Potter or um, overtly in the case of things like Black Klansmen and Beale Street, um, the current political climate. There's more and more of these roles for uh, white folks to play super racist and either really work some shit out or um, realize, hey, maybe next Thanksgiving I'll actually tell my uncle to stop talking because being paid to say some of this wild ass shit, if you actually truly don't believe this, I can imagine that would actually be a tough day at work. As tough a day at work as being an actor. Yeah, it can't feel good. If If you don't believe it. Yeah. And unless you're James Woods, who, yeah. as we know now, probably not secretly enjoyed it. Hmm. Oh, and then just like my final uh, mention is just a uh, great year for documentaries as well. So it's one of them to shout out McQueen and Whitney and, and Nothing Like a Dame, which um, is uh, Dame's Judy Dench, Eileen Atkins, Joan Plowright and Maggie Smith. I still have to watch that. Getting together for tea. Oh my and god. And to dish. Oh my god, it's so wonderful. I need to actually do an old timey tea. Do you remember that one time at book club where I actually got like tea sandwiches oh, tea, and like yeah. a tea tray? Uh, you know what? You know what? Like after that, like I'm off That was the apex of me hosting women at my house. There might be a time. Yeah, like I think I haven't had a high tea for a while. Yeah. I need a high tea. Yeah. Um, RBG. Uh, get well soon. Godspeed. Uh, and three identical strangers, which are all. I mean, three identical strangers. Is three like, identical strangers is, is like one a of the best movies in. of the year. Yeah, um, has to be nominated if not this the winner. And I actually, um, I didn't see. I haven't watched. Um, uh, Won't you be my neighbor yet? Because I'm afraid. Because I don't I, have enough tears left in me. Well, I went to see three identical strangers because I didn't want to see Whitney or. Um, Won't you be my Won't you be my neighbor? Because I thought they would be too upsetting. Um, but um, Three Identical Strangers wrecked me way more than Whitney did. Um, and, but I don't think I'm ready for Won't You Be My Neighbor. So I'll, I'll try to watch it before the end of the year. Maybe when I'm when I come back from Christmas, I'm, I'm off until the new year. Maybe in that little hammock of downtime. Yeah, Whitney made me angry. But I can cry. Yes, it made the me The part angry. of Whitney that made me most emotional was actually when you hear the My Love Is Your Love and you hear like little Bobby Christina. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's just a waste. It made me upset in Oof. a way that, like, Amy wrecked me because we never got to, I never knew who Amy Winehouse was when she's when she was alive and her yeah. potential was snuffed out. Yeah. If Amy Winehouse had lived, she probably would have only lived as long as Whitney. But Whitney Houston had so much, so many more years on Amy and seemingly uh, so many more. I don't I, I, I can't really explain it, but Whitney Houston, it seems like that makes me angry because she threw something away. I feel like Amy Winehouse never quite 
grasped it, but she would have been great. She was great with, you know, two And they had similar obstacles in that they had, like, wild-ass trash family. Yeah, who just wanted, who just sucked the life out of them. Yeah. Really sad. And then, I mean, the whole Bobby Christina of it all. Like, that's just... Uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. Yeah. So what is your World Cup punch? But anyway, some great docs this year, but Three Identical Strangers is, like, by far one of the best movies I've seen this year. Yeah. Like one of the best docs I've ever seen. Yeah. It's just... Whew. Yeah, it's a... It's a... It'll it'll wreck you. And if you just want to listen to some good music, I'll still watch the, the last five minutes of Widows. And and <laughs> shout out to Quincy, which is on Netflix yeah, even, and has yeah. been since Thriller saw, After Tiff. I saw Quincy. I didn't I didn't love it, but that's only because I was overwhelmed by how much that man did in his life. Oh, I that's amazing! Like his legacy, his output is amazing. But it was a hagiography. I mean, his daughter um, was one of the co-directors, and it showed none of the. Um, it showed none of the complexity that he was, in my opinion. I think it should have been made entirely based by somebody who wasn't his daughter. That's just me. And the co-director wasn't. So Yeah, but still. I mean, he got access because of the family and because Rashida Jones was the co-director. So, right. So it certainly wasn't a, a real close examination. And his life was, like, his path from, like, being a jazz musician uh, to, like, a producer. And, like, it's and his hands have been in, like some of the greatest cultural moments of the last half century. Like, his life is phenomenal. And there were things about him that I had no idea, but I just wish it was a better doc. I just don't think it was a good documentary. His life is fascinating, but I didn't think of it as a documentary. It could have been a miniseries, really. Yeah, like, like, yeah. They could have done and I would have sort liked, of two decades at a time. And I would have liked more archival stuff. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I think it was a lost opportunity, but anyway. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, I had a couple, of, but I actually, I'd like to, st- I'm surprised we actually stayed on topic, very few tangents. Well, there's so much to, so much to talk there about. There is so much, but I'm done right there. Uh, I'm done there, too. I have yeah. nothing um, more to say, except that, uh, yeah, I just hope that the last month is, because uh, we no longer have, except for maybe January, we no yeah. longer have months with, shit, there's been like a great movie, at least a great, one great movie yeah. Each month, if not. Actually, even more, more given yeah. the length of my list. But yeah, that we're, so I'm very excited about uh, like next year, too. I think uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. So, listener, uh, hopefully this will be up in time for your uh, time off during the holiday season. So if you're hiding from your family or if you do as I do and don't take time off from work, because that's when management's gone and... Just want to watch Netflix at your desk while you do some admin and clean up your inbox? Ugh, if only. Then uh, check out some of our suggestions. Yeah, there's like it's if I had if I was in a coma and I woke up and I was like, oh, you have to get through all this stuff because there's all this great stuff this year. I would like go back into a coma because I'd be uh, overwhelmed. <clears throat> Interesting. I wonder. I've never done that. What movie would I like to see playing as I woke up from a coma? Um, oh, I, it's, there's only one movie, my favorite movie of all time, um, A Holland Drive, because I would be so confused. I don't even know what, I would, I would be very confused. <laughs> That's actually probably something good to watch as you're coming out of a coma, because you're not I, quite sure. You think you're still in a coma? Yeah. Uh, I might still go with Terminator 2. Oh, you know, I started to watch Terminator 2, like, a couple of weeks ago. No, last week on, because it's on Netflix. Yeah. But I was getting ready to go to bed, so I only watched, like, the first 20 minutes. That that, that, that's, the first 20 minutes is my favorite part. When you see her in the institution, like, doing her pull-ups. And uh, that uh, Linda Hamilton is back. Yeah. As, uh, 
Um, and the new Terminator is coming out. Sarah Connor. So yeah. yeah, it's yeah, 2019. It's, uh, yeah. I'm already, I'm already exhausted. Oof. It's gonna be great. Yep, it's gonna be great. I guess so, we'll probably wrap this up. All right. So, thanks, that's listener. What she said. Uh, well, that's what everyone should say. Yes. Safety first, Safe. kids. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wrap it up. Yep. Bye.